Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Few words in the English language have caused so much pain, hurt, and emotion as the N-word. It is arguably the most consequential social insult in American history. The long history of the pejorative use of the N-word has given it an unusual power that extends to the judicial system, literature, and social settings. Randall Kennedy, a professor of law at Harvard University Law School, has written a book to chronicle the history of this word and to diffuse and neutralize it. His book is subtitled, The Strange Career of a Troublesome Word. At the end of his book, he writes, There is much to be gained by allowing people of all backgrounds to yank the N-word away from white supremacists, to subvert its ugliest denotation, and to convert the N-word from a negative into a positive appellation. I spoke with Professor Randall Kennedy in the winter of 2002 and asked him to begin our conversation by explaining this conclusion. Nigger lives as a word in our society um, through use by people who do not mean to deploy the word as a um, racial insult. Obviously, there are people who use the word as a racial insult. Uh, the word still, the nigger as insult still has currency, but it also has currency as a salutation of affection or a gesture of solidarity. And my comment was really aimed at those people, the people, for instance, the, the people in the, in the hip-hop culture who use nigger or nigga. And um, I'm saying that the, I'm appreciating the spirit with which they are attempting to transform a negative word and, and make it, give it a positive meaning. Um, the, I guess um, I'm saying, I, I was trying to indicate that because a word has a terrible history does not mean that that word is frozen in time and can have no other meaning than the meaning that bad people have imposed upon it in the past. Um, I think the people who are trying to transform the meaning are indicating that we are the masters of words. Words not, need not be our masters. And what some of these people are attempting to do is to um, really perform a feat of uh, rhetorical jujitsu. They're attempting to, you know, turn a, turn a word around. And I, I take some amount of I take some comfort in that. So uh, the comedians that use it on a regular basis, they're doing the same. Yeah, some of them are. I mean, some people who use the word nigger are just, you know, they're, they might not be using it in a racist way, but they're using it in an ignorant way. They're using it recklessly. They're, not, they're just using it because they've heard other people use it. And I'm not crediting that use, but I am crediting to some extent 
the people who use it advisedly, who know about its history, and are using the word nonetheless, at least in part, to almost stick their tongues out and satirize and poke fun at this um, at the racist use of the word nigger. Are you saying then that if it's used so frequently, it will de-venomize it? Well, some people have that theory. I don't know. I think it's an interesting theory. Um, whether that will be so or not, I'm I'm unclear. I don't know. I do know one thing. I, uh, I, I while I, I don't embrace the idea of let's use the word, then the word will become meaningless. That was that was Lenny Bruce's theory. There have been other people who have embraced that theory. Um, I don't know whether that'll be so or not. The repetition uh, it would neutralize it. That's right. There is the you know th- that's right the sort of the strategy of repetition. I'm I don't I'm not sure about that. I am sure, however, that uh, it's a mistake to make nigger and unmentionable. It's a mistake to try to spend a, a lot of effort seeking to suppress the word, um, no matter no matter how it's used, um, because. That effort, I think, is definitely counterproductive. You call the people who try and do that uh, eradicationalists. Yes. They're uh, trying to eradicate the word from our culture. I think that's a mistake. In response to what, um, in response to the way it was used in the Amos and Andy shows, for example. Well, no, not, no. It, you know, interesting thing, um, nigger was never used in Amos and Andy. I mean, there were a lot of people who were mad at Amos and Andy for a lot of things, but nigger was not one of those things. Uh, nigger was never used in Amos and Andy. The eradicationists are, uh, they want to erase nigger from American culture because to them, nigger can only mean a bad thing. It, can, it, it, it is only representative of an insult. Uh, and you know when they are when eradicationists are, are told, well, what about these hip hop folks? What about the comedians? What about the rappers? They say, well, that's just bl- that's black people internalizing anti-black biases. That's self-hating conduct. Sometimes it is self-hating conduct, but not always. Like I said, some people are very aware of the history of nigger. They're very self-conscious proud people, or at least um, properly proud people, um, but they're using nigger for other purposes. The eradicationists don't think that there is a good purpose that can uh, be served by using nigger. Well, you're talking about um, a word that some people say is too volatile to be used, or would be politically incorrect to use, and you're, you feel real comfortable in our conversation saying nigger as opposed to saying the N-word. Right. Well, I mean, I've spent 200 pages discussing the history of nigger and controversies generated by that term. Um, you know, that, that's what my subject is about. And so... Uh, I think the most direct way for me to approach a subject is just to go on and approach it. So what drew you to write this book? Well, I have frequently written uh, 
lectures based on single words like discrimination or like racism. I take a familiar word and unpack that word, show that this word is a, has a history, it's complicated, it can mean many different things. And one day I was thinking about nigger. That's a familiar word. And I thought, you know, what, what's the history of this word? What's, you know, is there a story with it? And I typed nigger into the LexisNexis data program and asked that data program to give me the citation for any court opinion federal or state, in which nigger had appeared. I got over 4,000 citations. And it's a, it's, it, it was at that point that I got the, uh, the sense that I might really be on to something. Um, and then I just started reading cases and uh, following nigger wherever I found it in American culture. What sort of reaction did you get from your family or colleagues um... Uh, and perhaps that's two separate answers when you were working on this book and now as you're traveling around talking about it. Well, from my family, I've always gotten a lot of encouragement, and I got encouragement about this. The one thing that I I have an older brother um, who's a lawyer. In fact, he's a judge. And the one question he had, or the one suggestion he had, he thought I should try to make it very clear from the outset why I thought this was an important venture, that I should establish at the very outset the importance of this particular word in American culture. Maybe you should tell us what that is. Fun. Well, I mean, nigger is a very important word in American culture. It is the signature word of American anti-black racism. There is no other term that uh, is more intimately connected with anti-black racism than nigger. Uh, There is no other racial or ethnic slur that's more notorious in the the United States or indeed around the world uh, than nigger. So that in and of itself would make the word important. What makes the word even more fascinating is the fact that it is used in so many different ways, not only as a, a, a word to wound, not only as an insult, but uh, it's also used as a term of affection uh, among people, including very substantial numbers of black people. So it's a word with a tremendous range. Now, ex- exploring that, unpacking that, explaining that I thought would be a, an interesting way of uh, approaching American history. What kind of reaction uh, have you been receiving when you meet with audiences and you talk about the book? Uh, I receive a wide range of responses. Some people are, some people applaud the effort, say that They've had all sorts of questions about nigger. They didn't know much about its history, and they're happy to learn more about its history. Some people have said, well, I've been in debates for years with people about the use of the word nigger, and it's good to see a serious, straightforward discussion uh, of the issues presented. On the other hand, there's some people who have been very vehement in their denunciation of, um, of my book particularly its title. 
and who think that um, this is serving no other purpose than to popularize the word nigger and to, in that way, um, perpetuate a terrible hurt. Do you respond to those people any differently than what you've uh, shared with us already? Well, I respond by saying, um, insofar as the title goes, I thought that I mean, my subject is about nigger. And um, I thought that the title ought not be evasive. The title ought to be straightforward. Uh, I, don't, I, I think this is a very serious subject, and I didn't want to undercut my treatment of the subject by seeming to be apologetic. Uh, if one wrote a book about lynching, I suppose that one would probably put the word lynching in the title, though the phenomenon of lynching is extremely troubling and terrible and horrible. Um, these are important issues that we need to look you know, straight. We, we need to look at these issues in a straightforward, serious adult fashion. Now, there is this point that people have raised in a number of reviews. Of, they've, they've said, well, you know, aren't I, aren't I um, being sensationalistic? You know, what about, am I just trying to be, am I trying to profit? So how do you respond to that? In a certain sort of way, I confess that yes, in a certain way I am. Just like, I mean, there is a commercial publisher that's publishing this book. Um, I hope that the book will have a wide readership. Um, did my title take that into account? Sure it did. I was certainly hoping to give this book a title that would prompt people to look into the book. I didn't uh, invest a considerable amount of effort and energy in this project in order for it to uh, languish in obscurity. I'm very happy that the book has attracted attention and has attracted many, many readers. This week on Radio Curious, we're talking with Harvard Law School professor Randall Kennedy about his recent book entitled Nigger, The Strange Career of a Troublesome Word. You're listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Tell us about um, your emotions in putting this together. Has it been flat? Has it been roller coaster? What are some of the things that you've thought about that, that have worried you as this book evolved uh, now to your mid-United States uh, tour promoting it? Yeah. Well, I had all sorts of emotions as I was doing this book. Um, I'm black. I have been on the receiving end of nigger in its various guises. I have been called a nigger with malice. I have also been called nigger with love. Um, and in writing this book, I, it, it, there were certain portions of it that made me think about my life and about people I have known. Um, so in that sense, it, it, was, uh, it, it has been a, a very interesting couple of months, uh, having to think back on episodes, frankly, that I had even forgotten um, in certain parts it, of, of writing this book, it was very tough, especially in the first chapter, the first chapter in which I really try to 
set forth as vividly as possible nigger as insult. There were times when I had I stopped writing uh, because it became just um, it was a combination of fatigue, but also it, it, there was there was also just an element of uh, I don't know disgust with the meanness with which bigots have treated people of color. Um, sometimes it was tough going. I, I again, I, I try to show the ugliness, the in an unvarnished way. I, I try to show how this is a word that has sometimes had blood dripping off of it, and that was difficult to do. And sometimes I would, like I said, I would stop writing for a while and then come back to it. Um. And then there were other times when I talked about the, wrote about the deployment of nigger in other ways. Um, Richard Pryor's, I mean, part of my research brought me back to Richard Pryor's That Nigger's Crazy. And as part of my research, you know, listening once again to That Nigger's Crazy and all the it means to listen to that wonderful album. I mean, sometimes it's very depressing. Sometimes it's uproariously funny. And so there have been a wide range of emotions that have um, followed me in writing this book and in discussing this book and in promoting this book. As a law professor, as a uh, person who... I presume, goes to court. The chapter, Nigger in Court, um, tell us about that, what it draws out for you and what you're trying to tell the reader. In my chapter, Nigger in Court, I canvas all of the ways in which the legal system has had to grapple with this word, nigger. And I must say, I was, I was taken aback by the extent to which nigger has actually figured in American case law. So in the law of evidence, uh, there are scores of cases in which judges have had to determine uh, whether a jury would hear about a witness's use of the word nigger. Of course, the most notorious criminal case in American history um, featured that very issue. Remember the state of California versus O.J. Simpson. And the, the, the question was whether the jury would be allowed to hear that Officer Mark Furman routinely referred to black people derisively as niggers. There are lots of cases uh, that have raised that issue. So there you have the law of evidence. The law of homicide. Under what circumstances will the law grant some degree of leniency to someone who responds violently to being called nigger. Um, that's, a, that's an issue that has arisen across the United States. So how have these issues been resolved? Well, with respect to the evidentiary issue um, with juries, different judges do it different ways. I mean, it's really up to the trial judge. It's left to his discretion to determine whether a jury hearing about a witness's use of nigger, whether that piece of information will be more helpful to a jury than harmful to the jury. Um, 
that's really left to the trial judge's discretion. On this latter issue of provocation, under what's, how does the law respond when a person lashes out violently to being called nigger, different jurisdictions handle it differently. In, in Washington, D.C., there's a doctrine called the Mere Words Doctrine, which says that um, uh, the law will grant no leniency to you if you respond violently, uh, because it's just, it's just words. Uh, mere words, no matter how insulting, provide no basis for provocation defense uh, in the District of Columbia. In other jurisdictions, it's handled differently. Um, nigger as a, um, in the regulation of the workplace, there are you know, um, rules and regulations that offer protection to workers uh, and, pr- and protect them against racial harassment. There are hundreds of cases in which the word nigger figures uh, in such laws. So, How about in literature? Oh, in literature, a, a lot. I mean, Huck Finn, for instance... Mark Twain's Huck Finn has been removed from scores of public school uh, libraries, public school curriculums all over the country. And that, of course, triggers the First Amendment. So nigger as a force has, uh, has been um, encountered by lawyers and judges and juries all across the United States, and I, I try to point out the ways in which the legal system has, has dealt with that. Let's talk about how racial slurs cue prejudicial behavior uh, in the minds of the people who hear the slur. Yes. Some social psychologists did an experiment to determine whether hearing nigger would have an effect on an audience. And what they found in their experiment is that nigger seemed to lower um, the appreciation of individuals in the uh, people who were the targets of nigger were somewhat diminished in the eyes of certain listeners. And so what these social psychologists showed is that under certain conditions, nigger actually hurts people who are the targets of the slur because people who hear the slur regard the targets of the slur as painted people, so to speak. Let's talk about that. I'm not sure what you mean. Or. Well, I mean this. I mean this. In the experiment, what happened is the experimenters um, had a uh, a person overhear one person calling another person a nigger, and then the experimenters tried to see whether the person overhearing that statement would. Um, think less of the target of the slur. And what they found is that under certain circumstances, that's precisely what happened. And the reason why this is important is because the social psychologist suggests that um, what about a juror hearing that a, a witness or maybe a party to a lawsuit or maybe a defendant in a lawsuit has been called a nigger? 
could it be under certain circumstances that a juror will think less of the target of the slur? And what the social psychologist said is, under certain conditions, the, per- the, the juror will think less of that person. And that might have some real, you know, real-life practical consequences. What were some of those conditions that they found? Well, what they, what they found, they, uh, this was by no means a universal... Um, this was by no means a universal consequence of overhearing nigger. It was only certain people who overhearing this slur would respond in this way. Um, so it's a it's a tenuous finding. It's not a it's not a strong finding, but it is, I think, suggestive of an important point, which is that language does have real consequences and that a slur might be infectious. It might, in fact, prompt an audience. Uh, it might engender bigotry within an audience. The, the audience might be unconscious of its own bigotry, but hearing the slur might make people actually more prejudiced than they were before they heard the slur. So what do you see as the future of this word? I think that as long as we have American culture, we will have nigger. That is to say, um, I think that for the foreseeable future, this word is with us. I think we can take comfort in the fact that nigger as insult has largely been stigmatized. Uh, you know, 50 years ago, there were politicians who used nigger openly, without embarrassment, and without fear of political repercussions. That's not the case today. Any major politician uh, who uses a nigger as insult will certainly um, be hurt, and that's a good thing. Uh, it's a good thing that uh, nigger has largely been stigmatized. Um, but that word is going to be with us uh, for the foreseeable future. Professor Randall Kennedy, I want to thank you very much for joining us on Radio Curious. And before we close, I'd like to ask you to tell us about an interesting book that you've read lately. Well, yeah. I'll mention the last book that I read. The last book that I read is Benjamin Quarles' The Negro in the American Revolution. It's a book that was uh, written, let's see, it was first written in 1961. And uh, it's a very interesting, it's a wonderful book uh, by one of the great black historians, Benjamin Quarles. He mentions Crispus Attucks. He mentions all sorts of people that uh, have largely been forgotten. He also talks about the fact that, um, you know, the, Br- the, the British offered freedom to slaves who joined their side. And that, I think, is a point that all Americans need to think about. You know, it's not as if, um, uh, it's, it's, it's not a simple question as to who the good guys were in the American Revolution. Professor Randall Kennedy, thank you very much for joining us on Radio Curious. Thank you. Harvard Law School professor Randall Kennedy is the author of Nigger, The Strange Career of a Troublesome Word. The book he recommends is The Negro in the American Revolution by Benjamin Quarles, written in 1961. 
There are over 750 archives on our website, radiocurious.org. And I'm honored to tell you that Radio Curious is now part of the collection of the Library of Congress. We appreciate your cards, ideas, and letters, and do enjoy hearing from you. The email is curious at radiocurious.org. The postal address is 700 West Smith Street, Ukiah, California, 95482. The phone is 707-621-5075. Ignacio Ayala is the assistant producer. I'm host and producer, Gary Vogel. Thank you for listening.